Welcome to the new WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. Over the next half hour, WellMed Radio will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Joshua Beck and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. Here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Joshua Beck. Well, thank you very much and welcome to WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, Dr. Beck, on special assignment today. So we are riding solo, and I'm sure we can handle that as we have a chance to talk with some very interesting people uh, over the course of doing these programs. On WellMed Radio today, we bring back a physician who we talked to many, many months ago when she first came to San Antonio, in fact, from Washington, D.C., Dr. Elizabeth Glazier. She's the chief of palliative care at WellMed Medical Management graduate of Tufts University School of Medicine in Boston, and we're delighted to have you here. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for thank you for inviting me. Well, we don't bring back a lot of guests, so you're in that category of you were a good guest. Thank you. I appreciate that. Now, for folks who are listening, uh, before we get into palliative care, I want to talk a little bit about uh, what's at the top of mind for everybody in the world now, that being the coronavirus, COVID-19. Uh, which is spreading across the United States and around the world. It can be deadly, especially for the population that Wellman Medical Management generally works with, people 65 and over. Exactly. Very high-risk, vulnerable population. And for folks who initially uh, said, oh, you know, it's just a form of the flu, don't worry about it, you have to worry about it. You have to worry about it. Take it seriously. And for the population that you deal with, uh, how can they protect themselves? I, I noticed, and I'll, I'll mention this on the air, when you came into the studio, you pulled a little handy-dandy Lysol packet out of your purse uh, and wiped off the microphone, which was very smart. So I'm, you're protecting yourself. I'm protecting myself, but more importantly, protecting the person who comes after me. I want to protect others. And for seniors who want to protect themselves, uh, other than hunkering down in their house and never leaving it, what can they do? Really, that's the biggest, um, the biggest thing you can do is socially isolate. Um, don't go out if you don't have to. Make sure you're washing your hands for two minutes at a time, using hand sanitizer, wipes if you can. Make sure people who come to visit you are not sick. And if you're feeling ill, seek medical attention. And for people coming to visit you who are not sick, uh, as I've listened to uh, uh, some of the programs on this virus, uh, many people are contagious before they show symptoms themselves. So they can come in and look perfectly healthy, but be a carrier. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And you just have to take the universal precautions as best you can, wipe all the surfaces, wash your hands, and avoid close contact. Now, as a a physician uh, in medical school and afterwards in your practice, Had you ever been involved in a pandemic, a worldwide issue like this? This is the first for me. What does it feel like? It's scary. I mean, here we're on the front lines, truthfully. Um, And, you know, other people can work from home, but physicians, nurses, all of our paraprofessionals, we're, we're out there seeing patients. You know, we are trying to offer the best care that we can and make sure that people are safe. WellMed has now launched a telemedicine program. A lot of volunteers now to do that telemedicine program. You're not near patients, right? That's exactly right. And, and actually, in our supportive and palliative care program, we've been doing telemedicine for the last five years, and it works very well on a great day, and it's going to be working even better now. 
So share with us what palliative care is and how it differs from hospice. It's a great question. Um, Palliative care, the definition really is an extra layer of support for patients and their families um, who are uh, affected by serious or life-limiting illnesses. Um, The same illnesses can be seen for hospice patients. Hospice, the biggest uh, issue, is patients are really in the terminal stages of that life-limiting illness. And um, patients who are in hospice probably um, have a terminal illness that has less than six months to live. Versus a patient in palliative care, we see the same similar illnesses, but patients probably have a, a prognosis that's longer than six months. And they're often still receiving curative therapies. Patients in palliative care can be getting chemotherapy, can be getting their radiation, can be getting dialysis. Um, whereas patients in hospice tend to forego those therapies in order to access their Medicare Part A hospice benefits. My mother, uh, although she's since passed away, was in hospice, uh, and they uh, graduated her because after six months, she was one tough lady. She was still hanging in there. Uh, and then we appealed, and they got her back, and she died about a month or two later. But some people do age out of hospice. That's right. I mean, graduations are exciting no matter what level or or what age you are. But graduating out of hospice obviously means that you have improved. And actually, that happens quite often when care comes into the home for patients that didn't have that support and care before. Sometimes that improves people's prognosis and outlook, and they tend to graduate. And that's a great thing. You know, you've had the benefit of hospice. You know what it's all about. You know it's not scary. You know it's a great support for you and your family. And if you ever need it again in the future, you're not going to be as nervous about it as maybe you once were. Now, if you just joined us, you're listening to WellMed Radio on 930 AM, The Answer. I'm Ron Aaron. Dr. Joshua Beck, our co-host on special assignment today. So it is just moi having a chance to talk with Dr. Elizabeth Glazier. She's WellMed's chief of palliative care, and we're talking about exactly what that is. Uh, And she brought that program to WellMed. And it's interesting, uh, when you began that program, uh, it, it began with just a handful of patients, and now it's grown phenomenally. Incredibly. So when I started, um, it was you. It was me um, in my car seeing patients in their homes, and there were about 40 of them in 2013. And um, last year in 2019, we enrolled about 6,000 patients. I hope we reimburse you for mileage. (laughs) Exactly. 6,000 compared to 40 when you started. That's right. And we started just in a small, small section of San Antonio, originally in northwest San Antonio. Um, And then slowly, by 2014, we expanded out to to all of San Antonio. And now we're in 10 cities um, across Texas and Florida. And you've added providers. Yeah, it's It's not not just just me seeing the 6,000 in 10 cities. No, No, exactly. We have... Um, we have about 100 folks seeing patients across these cities and um, amazing multidisciplinary teams. So it's not just a doc and a car. We now have um, advanced practice clinicians. We have social workers. We have medical assistants, um, licensed vocational nurses, clinic administrators, medical assistants. And we're not just in the homes, actually. We are now in the clinics. We offer palliative care in the hospitals in our skilled nursing facilities, in our long-term acute care centers. Um, Really, anywhere that the patient needs us to be, we're there. It's a team. It's an 
it's a huge multidisciplinary team. And, and, and Dr. Glazier, who are the patients who need palliative care? You know, I say anybody who's been diagnosed with a serious chronic illness, for example, uh, congestive heart failure. If you've been diagnosed with congestive heart failure, meeting with a palliative care physician at the same time you meet with your cardiologist or your primary care doctor is a real help. Um, It allows you to sort of see into the future and prognosticate what's going to happen and what's to be. You probably have a lot of questions. You probably might have some symptoms that you're dealing with. Um, And we can help work through the head-to-toe symptom assessment and treatment of your symptoms related to your illness. So really anyone who gets diagnosed with a serious illness deserves a palliative care, even a one-time visit. And once you're in palliative care, can you leave that? Anytime. Similar to hospice, patients sometimes get better. You know, we the bread and butter of our programming is really continues to be our home visiting program. That really sets us apart from the primary care doctor who doesn't leave the four walls of the clinic primarily. That sets us apart from the other subspecialists. So our specialty actually goes into the home. We really are offering patient-centered care. Wherever the patient needs to be, that's where we are. And often getting us into the home we are able to help with things that need to be helped with. We um, notice that maybe a ramp is broken outside the home. Let's you know, provide a resource to help you have a ramp that's workable. Or perhaps there's no food in the refrigerator. Let's provide some resources to you know, engage you in Meals on Wheels. Or maybe your symptoms aren't well controlled and you're not breathing well. Let's increase your medications to help that. We work with your PCPs. We work with your family. We work with anyone, but sometimes people get better and they no longer need us. So we really are there to provide the care, the right care at the right time for the right patient. And we work with the patients to determine all of that. When I was a kid growing up uh, in Cleveland, Ohio, born in 1942, by the early 1950s, I used to ride around with my uh, late uncle, Sal Sog, who was back then they called him a general practitioner, GP. Mm -hmm. He was a family doc. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he would take me with him when he made house calls uh, in various parts of Cleveland. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and I'm sure even now in 2020, you see the same thing. When Uncle Sal would come to the door and open the door, the family was so relieved to see him uh, and, and so appreciative of him coming in. It was almost as if godlike he walked in, and just his touch and tone of voice seemed to help people. I think that's exactly what happens today. I mean, things have changed. Um, we are very high-tech now. We carry laptops. He had a black bag and, <laughs> and the st- stethoscope. I still have the black bag, but we can get x-rays in the home. We can do your blood work. We can do an echocardiogram in the home. I mean, there's so much more high-tech we can do in the home, but at the, the bottom of it all, at the base is really having a provider in your home um, is quite a privilege for many people, and, and people love it, and they are so appreciative of us in their home. And for me, it's amazing um, opportunity to really see how the patient is living because so much of our medical history and our problems can be based on things that may be non-medical in nature. And if we can see that and we can help ameliorate that, things can get better. So it could be environmental. It could be a situation where they simply don't have the resources to live safely. Exactly. To have the support that they need to carry on with life. Uh, I, I can remember talking with you it's several years ago now when, when you told me about making house calls in, in the District of Columbia where I spent a lot of years. 
uh, and uh, how you'd walk into the home and see things that in the office the patient never mentioned to you, like like a shelf full right. of medicines, yeah. both prescription and supplementals and over-the-counter, right? That's exactly Which right. Which they never mentioned. That's exactly right. A couple of weeks ago, I helped um, one of our patients discard of two large garbage bags full of pills that were, un- that were not, no longer being taken. Seriously? Seriously. Huge garbage bags. And um, it was really helpful. And for this patient, he was relieved that somebody other than him was making some decisions on what was usable, what was no longer usable, and what he needed and didn't need. And it was overwhelming. It was very confusing for him to know what to take. So now he knows. We're going to talk more about palliative care with Dr. Elizabeth Glazier. I'm Ron Aaron. You're listening to WellMed Radio at 930 AM, The Answer. Caregiving is incredibly difficult and challenging for thousands of people caring for someone they love. It's a job that is demanding and often feels as if it's never-ending. Caregivers feel alone and lonely. That's where Caregiver SOS On Air comes to the rescue. This half-hour weekly program features nationally known gerontologist Carol Zerniel and attorney and veteran broadcaster Ron Aaron. Ooh. That's me. Caregiver SOS on air. Saturday mornings at 7.30. Sunday evenings 5.30. On 9.30 a.m., The Answer. This is fascinating, learning a lot about palliative care, learning a lot about what Dr. Elizabeth Glazier learns when she goes into somebody's home. I'm Ron Aaron. You're listening to WellMed Radio on 930 AM, The Answer. Dr. Joshua Beck, our co-host, is on special assignment today. I have the opportunity to talk with Dr. Glazier, who came to WellMed when there was no palliative care program, and she literally, from ground up, has built a program now in uh, 10 cities across the country, started with 40 patients, now over 6,000 patients, and I suspect, Dr. Glazier, it's growing. It's very much we're, so. You know, we're an aging society. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that everybody who's old is in palliative care. There's some young folks as well who have uh, the kind of diseases that uh, would require that kind of care. That's exactly right. You know, and things... Diseases that you might not think about that would be appropriate for palliative care. I mentioned the congestive heart failure, but for example, emphysema. Um, patients who um, have had tobacco um, use or uh, have been exposed to tobacco over their life might have some emphysema. Those would be patients who potentially could, might need palliative care. Real tough breathing. Hard time breathing. Or patients with dementia, patients with cognitive issues for whatever reason. Maybe they don't leave their house because they're concerned or they're anxious or they're just confused. They no longer are driving. Um, Those are patients. We see a lot of patients with cognitive issues that really don't get out of their home anymore, relatively homebound. And going to the clinic is an undue burden for them. And so if we can bring the care to them, that really helps a lot. Uh, But I know uh, a lot of physicians and, and, you know, Dr. Uh, Robin Eikhoff, who was the first co-host on WellMed Radio, she used to say to me that a lot of patients are on their best behavior when they come to the clinic. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the conditions that are underlying, uh, they somehow hide from you when they come to the clinic. That happens all the time. So you see a real glimpse of life when you come to the patient's home. Really, it's the tip of the iceberg, what they bring to clinic. Um, And for me, that's really, it's very, the critical piece of the home visit. For example, if you have a patient who is, has kidney disease and they shouldn't be having certain foods, a quick look in their pantry or their refrigerator, which we do when we're in the patient's home. I mean, I consider myself a a mini detective. 
And I ask permission, obviously, but I say to the patient, I'm going to be making sure your home is safe. And that includes making sure your refrigerator is full and full of the right foods, making sure your pantry is not full of canned vegetables and other canned foods that happen to be high in sodium. And we can educate about what the best practices are when you go into the grocery store, what foods you should look for. And that's how we can take the medicine and the doctoring to a whole new level so that we can get to the root as to why your blood pressure is so high when you go see your PCP. Well, it's maybe because you're not taking the right medicine or maybe it's because you've just eaten that chicken soup every day for lunch and you didn't realize it had so much sodium in it. But we can get to the bottom of that when we really see what's going on in their homes. must be interesting for you when uh, you have a a new provider join your team Mm -hmm. uh, who in med school today they don't make a lot of house calls. They don't do a lot of that. And it's a, again, I mentioned my Uncle Sal, it's an older but incredible way of practicing medicine. It really is what it's all about. It's you and the patient. That's exactly right. And it's patient-centered. I mean, I always say to my patients, I'm a guest in your house. They say, oh, come in. Where do you want to sit? I say, I'm a guest in your house. You tell me where you want to sit. And the look on their faces just to change that paradigm where they're not waiting in a waiting room, where they don't have to try and get up on a very uncomfortable exam table, where they don't have to wait for me to finish talking to another patient. Really, I'm at their beck and call. And it's such a relief for patients who are at the point of life where sometimes it's an undue burden getting out, um, that if we can bring that patient-centered care to them, it's incredible. And we have trainees who come to work with us because we want to show the value of the home visit. The home visit is, you know, it's a calling. It's some, some providers really aren't meant for home visits, as you can imagine. You know, it puts people sometimes on edge um, to have that loss of control because really it is a little bit of a lack of control for the provider. Because the exam room is your turf. Exactly. You know, everything is, you don't, you know, Mrs. Smith isn't going to walk in next door with a, with some lasagna. You don't have a cat nuzzling your foot in the middle of the visit. You know, you're not talking to daughter, you know, daughter number four who calls on the phone in the middle of the visit and wants to ask you if, you know, mom's foot looks okay. So there's just so many variables that you can't control in a home visit, which makes it rather exciting. Um, But it really does take that right person who feels comfortable doing that. Helps like in your case to have three kids. You're used to juggling. Yes. I've got three as well, as you know. Yes. So that does teach you how to juggle. Juggle, multitask, and to be okay with the unpredictability of it all. When you walk into someone's home uh, for the first time, uh, do you have expectations based on having talked to or having seen the patient? Mm, sometimes. I mean, it's best to sort of leave your expectations at the door because you never, you never know what you're going to see um, and what the patient's needs are going to be. You know, there are many times I've walked into a home that's beautiful and you go drive down a long drive and you think, oh, this, this, this is going to be so easy. They're going to, you know, this is going to be so comfortable for me. And then all of a sudden there's no furniture in the living room and you wonder where you're going to sit. Or they're a hoarder. Or they're hoarding, exactly. So many hoarders we've seen. Um, and so you never really know what you're going to enter when you walk into the patient's home. You just have to you know, check your expectations at the door, come with an open heart and an open mind, and just you're there to serve the patient. Young Elizabeth Glazier at Tufts University studying medicine. Is this where you thought you would be? Uh, that's a great question. I mean, I knew I wanted to be a geriatrician. I knew I wanted to help older adults. 
Um, I grew up, and my grandmother lived with us when I was growing up. Really? Mm-hmm. And she was ill, and I just saw the way doctors looked at her and sort of gave her a medicine for this ailment or for that ailment, but no one really ever spent time talking to her, and I didn't feel like she was very well respected. No one connected with her. Exactly. She wasn't a person. She was just a, you know, she was a case or a diagnosis, and I felt as if this could be done better. And so for me, that was my calling, is to really see if there's a way to provide care for populations of older people that could be more humane and more connected. It's interesting. I, I recently viewed, as I'm sure you did, an uh, audio piece that Dr. George Rapier, the founder of Wellmet, put together on really talking about patience and compassion and empathy and seeing the patient as a living, breathing human being mm-hmm. and going away from it's just a case, it's just a number. It was pretty powerful to listen to him. Mm-hmm. It's why he founded Wellmed. Mm-hmm. And that really is what you're saying, that there you are uh, as a kid, Grandma isn't being seen uh, as a living, breathing human being. She's just a case for the doctor. That's right. That's right. And you're changing that. That's the goal. The goal is to bring back that humanity to healthcare, to let patients know that we do care and we have a whole team of people that care about them. What kind of questions do patients ask you that maybe outside the realm of your medical practice? Do you have to become a social worker and a financial guru and uh, all the issues that real people have? One of the biggest things people um, question is what we talk through is advanced care planning, you know, and, and what, what do I do for my future? Who do I designate as someone to make decisions on my behalf if I can no longer make decisions? That's a hard question for people to wrestle with, but it's so critically important. And I would recommend for all of your listeners, anyone over the age of 18, they need to have a medical power of attorney. Um, And that's the person to make decisions on their behalf if and when they can no longer make their own decisions. Designating that person and then telling that person what you want them to say on your behalf is critical. Dr. Press is my PCP at uh, at Wellman. How did me to get that done? As he should have. Mm -hmm. And I finally did it. And, you know, I felt so relieved when I drove a copy over to his office, kept a copy for me, gave a copy to uh, a couple of my kids just so they would have it. And it was, it was a relief. Yeah, although, knock wood, I'm pretty healthy. You know, I'm not going belly up tomorrow, knock wood. Uh, but it felt good to do that. It's, but it, I was resistant. I, people are very resistant. I have a medical power of attorney. And the good thing about those documents is they can be changed any moment. So if, you know, someone else in your life is no longer in your life the way you had them before, you can change the documents. Well, a lot of divorces, so you can... You can make that change. Or someone may have passed away. That's exactly right. Yes. And and as your patients uh, talk with you about those issues, you have to help them understand why it's important. That's exactly right. And you have to sign papers. And for many patients, signing a paper is people are skeptical. And so for us, we spend a lot of time talking about the importance of those papers, the importance of their signature on those papers and understanding what they're signing. Many people may not have gone to much school, and so that becomes an issue. Or many people, English might not be their first language, and that's an issue. And so really we take a lot of time, and and I wear that hat quite a bit. Got about a minute left, so I'm going to ask you a question to solve all the problems in the universe. Yes. (laughs) And what what I'd like to know is, can people self-select for palliative care? Do do they know when they need it, and can they ask for it? They certainly can ask for it. Do they? 
that some patients do ask for it. You know, they, they have heard that WellMed does this home visiting program and how can I get in on that? Obviously, you have to qualify. We don't, ha- we don't accept everyone, but you certainly can call our office, 210-610-3859, and we will be happy to answer any questions for you. Do that number again, 210. 210-610-3859. 3859. And no salesman will call. No. <laughs> As you take a look at uh, and last question, really, uh, the direction your career has gone, you seem really comfortable uh, with where you are. Mm-hmm. You're not looking to go off now and do cardiac surgery, for example. I love my job. I love what I do. I love seeing patients, and I love helping us grow this program. And if you don't, and this show encourages everyone, whether you're a WellMed patient or not, to ask the kind of questions that are important to ask. Uh, if you're not a WellMed patient, you don't know if uh, your provider and their insurance plan offer palliative care. Ask. Ask. Many do now. It's very common. And when we first talked, it wasn't common. This is a few years ago. That's right. It's been, so, it's been many years in coming. Boy, that's pretty cool. Well, I really appreciate you coming in. Again, if you're interested in talking with Dr. Glazier and her folks about palliative care, 210-610-3859 would be the number to call. And this program is available on podcasts in addition uh, to hearing it on the air. Those podcasts are available simply by Googling, if you don't know how to Google, ask a 10-year-old, simply Googling WellMed Radio podcasts, and they will pop up, and you'll have a chance to uh, take a look at them. Dr. Glacier, thanks for coming in. Thank you for having really me. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. For Dr. Joshua Beck, I'm Ron Aaron. We'll talk with you soon right here on WellMed Radio on 930 AM, The Answer. Thank you for listening to WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And please be sure to tune in next week for another edition of WellMed Radio.